Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Wes from Fayetteville Fitness Kickboxing in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, Wes. How are we doing? Doing great. Awesome. All right, cool. Let's do. What's that? I said, thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, cool. Let's jump right into the details here. Wasting no time. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? Um, So, yeah, I I started fighting just amateur uh, about 15 years ago and uh, just always loved the gym. And I didn't even intend on fighting. I was just around a bunch of fighters and they, they were like, man, you should fight. And I was like, yeah, I should fight. And uh, that just turned into an amateur career. I uh, won a couple of belts and then that turned into a uh, professional career, had a televised fights. My, my professional debut was an internationally televised fight on Access TV. So I just had a really good uh, career of that, but I got started late. I was in my late thirties before I even started fighting amateur. So I knew that I had a very, very short window uh, just to be able to stay healthy and, and compete at that level. And then by the time I went pro, I was in my, my mid forties. And so, uh, just was getting more and more difficult to, uh, to maintain that level. And so we were looking for, for other ways to parlay that. So we, we, uh, we started looking into the, the gym industry and I had partners when I first started this five years ago, last mm-hmm. year, I, I bought them out. And so now I'm, uh, this is my soul. Uh, and I'm the sole owner of this now. So. Got it. Okay. Awesome. So now what does your business model look like? How are you structuring things? Are you doing all group classes? Do you offer one-on-one semi-privates? How does that all work? Yeah. So I have about six trainers and uh, they are available to do private training. It's very rare when I will do a private anymore. Just I, I can't justify the the time. Honestly, I can, mm-hmm. I can uh, with that time, I can do, you know, uh, just tours and that sort of thing and, and getting new people started. And so, uh, which is much more lucrative for me to just be, uh, selling if you will, than, uh, right. than doing, but, uh, but we do have that available. Uh, but most of what we do is, is fitness classes. Uh, we do kickboxing classes, but then we also have equipment and, uh, uh, and so we also do, um, uh, just uh, like circuit classes and that sort of thing, strength and conditioning. And so we really want the uh, the gym to be just like if you were training for a fight, what would you be doing? You'd be doing strength and conditioning, you'd be doing a ton of cardio and you'd be doing a lot of technique. And then we also, uh, 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 I'm a, uh, I came up doing jujitsu. So we also teach uh, adult jujitsu classes and kids jujitsu classes also. So that's just another okay. ad we do, but our primary is uh, uh, fitness kickboxing, if you will. Right. Okay. All right. And how many members are you currently serving at the facility? Uh, I haven't run the numbers this week. Like I said, I was traveling, but it's somewhere in the hundreds. Uh, uh, we were up around 400 before COVID. And then of course mm-hmm. we did. And so we're building that right back up. So. Yeah. Okay. And what does your marketing look like? How are you getting new people in the door? How are you attracting attention? What's making them want to walk in the door as well? Yeah. Facebook and Instagram ads. Uh, we, we were pretty aggressive with, uh, with those ads and, uh, and we do a couple different offers that we, that we rotate, uh, but we'll do challenges, you know, six week challenge, come in and try it out kind of thing. 
And mm-hmm. so uh, we've been real successful with that. And so uh, yeah. uh, sometimes we've done uh, as many as 60 uh, challenge members in a month, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then of course all those don't stay, uh, but right. uh, that's basically our, our game plan. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now with the challenge and things like that, are you doing like a rolling, a rolling start with the, the challenge? Is that something that you're kind of constantly running or do you kind of break it up and do it on like a monthly basis or how do you work we also that? yeah we also have a monthly membership um and uh and and that's where our highest price point actually is at the at the monthly membership but if someone will do our okay. challenge if someone will do our challenge we'll use the challenge as a way to get a break on the uh, on the monthly membership as a value mm-hmm. and uh and so uh and then even then that's going to be higher than what our price points were before we were doing that so just like everybody we started out just charging way too little and uh you know we were going to have to have thousands of members to make that work and and uh, mm-hmm. you know we live in a small community so so it just didn't make sense so so we since we've done it differently and, and anchored the price point higher than uh it's, uh, it's been a lot more successful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love the challenges to get people in the door because it's a good amount of time for them to become a part of the gym, uh, become a part of the community, get some results, really get into a routine and really establish themselves within the facility. And then it, it's kind of like a no brainer for them to end up rolling into a membership from there. So but somebody's not going to know in a in a week free trial they're not going to find out if it's something they're going to really enjoy doing long term right and uh and if and if your only option is to sign a 12 month or 24 month contract and they have it they they don't know then then uh then they get locked into something that they really wouldn't enjoy so uh so six weeks is a good way for them to find out they can hit a goal in six weeks and so they can they can find out what training is like and then they can make that decision uh you know at six weeks no commitment uh so uh that's what people want usually like well i don't like a contract because they're worried about commitment so you give them an opportunity to have no commitment for six weeks before they right. make a commitment. So, yes yeah absolutely so that's exactly my, my plan. right and they can see the light at the end of the tunnel you know it's not six weeks isn't too long it's just a, a good amount of time for them to be able to see the end and you know and and then once they get to those results it's like why would you stop anyway so i love that um now as far as your membership structure goes outside of front end offers six week challenges things of that nature um what do those look like how do you structure the regular memberships do you have six months 12 months uh what does that all look like i just have one membership 12 months uh we Mm -hmm. bill weekly and uh Yeah. yeah It's 12 month build weekly. I won't freeze a week, but I can freeze a month uh, and I won't freeze more than three months in a 12 month period. So mm-hmm. they, need to, they need to choose what's important. You know, is it just time off? Is it paying a bill? You know, the, uh, mm-hmm. because people will abuse that if they think they can just freeze every time they turn around, you know, so. Yes, yes, absolutely. I like that you have one membership and it's simple um, because there are so many facilities that want to offer all of these different options and then people just get confused and don't know which one to choose and then never end up choosing anything you know so it's like you're either in or you're out so i i like that Um, that's an accounting nightmare too because uh if you have three different memberships you have three different price points and so your average price points all janky whereas if you have just the one membership and the same price point then you know you know if you have 300 members you know what your average member is if you have 400 you know what mm-hmm. it is you don't have to do some sort of crazy math so it just keeps it 
all symbols. Right. Absolutely. And I also like that you have the commitment in place because so many facilities want to do month to month memberships um, just to, you know, because they're like afraid of agreements, they're afraid of contracts, but yeah. it's so much easier from a business standpoint to be able to see what you have coming in on a monthly basis. And then beyond that, like you said, you know, clients can't get results in a week. They can't get results in a month, even usually, I mean, a little bit, but typically not what they're looking for. Um, so having that commitment in place and not being afraid to, you know, tell people you have to commit to a certain amount of time to be a part of the facility isn't a bad thing for the business. And it's not a bad thing for the client either. Exactly. Agreed. So now go ahead. No, I was just saying, I agree. Okay. Um, all right. So what are your main focuses for 2022 for this year? Where are you directing most of your attention within the business? Um, keeping more of those challenged people. Um, I, um, I got COVID last year and got sick and, uh, and that showed me that I was doing most of the work and, uh, mm -hmm. And, I, and so I was doing all the sales, all the marketing and everything. And then my trainers were doing all the classes. So we were still able to run classes. I was out for almost two months because I got, I mean, I was really sick. Uh, but we took a huge dip in that time because I wasn't here doing everything. And so uh, I learned a hard lesson about that, that I really need to be able to release a lot of that. And, uh, uh, and so I have a new uh, person that's, uh, that's learning to do what I do and I'm trying to back away more and let the business run itself uh, instead of just me owning a job, if that makes any sense. Right. So, uh, so my job, my goal is to uh, really for me to step away more as the business grows more without me. And so uh, that's, uh, in my opinion, that's, uh, that's the sign of, of the healthy business that I don't have to be there because when I wasn't here, it wasn't healthy. And so uh, mm -hmm. we took another, huge, took another huge dip when I got sick. And, uh, and then we had a lot of displeased people because nobody was following up and that sort of thing. And I was the one doing everything. So we're developing right. a system for that test. So I'm not the only one doing that. So I don't yeah. know if that was Oh, if I answered your question, I just gave you an answer. Yeah, <laughs> so. no, you did. Absolutely. And I mean, I can relate to that because it was the same for me. I was the one doing everything. You know, I was doing the sales. I was following up with people. I was fulfilling. I was converting them on the back end into the memberships. I was making sure that everything was always running smoothly, but it makes yeah. it really hard because then it's like, like you said, you have to be there all the time and you can never step away, you know, and when you're not there, like you get sick, you're not there, things start to go down really fast. So yeah, I mean, it, it's also really challenging to let go of some of that control. I know it was for me, you know, I didn't want to step away because I was afraid that the, the level of service would dip. And it's like, at the end of the day, nobody cares about your business more than you do, you know? So sometimes it's challenging to allow people to even step in and take over some of those things because you worry about the level of service. So, right. uh, but it's a necessary step. And especially as growth goes, being able to focus on the business side of things and not be in the gym all day, every day. Um, yep. It's definitely a, a challenging balance there. Yeah. Well, most people don't start a business with the intention of working themselves to death you know you you have something that you're wanting to do with it and so if you're if your plan isn't to scale it in some way you're just gonna you just created yourself a, a forever job really so uh you know you want to have right. some freedom 
and enjoy the fruits of your, your labor, of course. Yeah, yes, absolutely. All right, so now one thing that I always love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice for somebody who is considering opening their own facility, going their own way, doing their own thing, what would that be? Um, begin with the end in mind, I think. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you, uh, you know, I live in Arkansas and I, uh, I flew to Salt Lake City this weekend. Um, if the plane veers off a little early on, you may end up in California, you may end up in, in Canada. Uh, so an early, when you begin early, that's the most important time to be straight and, uh, um, you know, directed at, at, at where you're, you're, you intend to go or you could end up anywhere. And so, mm -hmm. um, I think when I started, I had an idea what I wanted to do, but I didn't have that clear, here's where I want to be in five years. Now, five years later, I'm like, oh, I wish I'd have done this early on. You know, I wish I was uh, intended to have this many members by this this point. And, and how was I going to get, get those members and this many members at this point? And, you know, it was just like, let's just get a bunch of members, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, uh, and like I said earlier, you know, you will try to do that any way you can, you know, you'll get free classes, you'll get free weeks, you'll give all kinds of, you'll do uh, 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 trade with other other businesses and stuff like that, that is, it doesn't really build your, your uh, income at all. And so uh, uh, I was just trying a little bit of anything just to get people through the doors uh, instead of valuing my business. Uh, we mentioned another, another uh, uh, kickboxing thing. I, I tried a uh, model from uh, you know, $25 trial, three-class trial, and uh, and I was giving gloves and wraps away. So I was literally losing money every time somebody came in the door because my gloves and wraps cost more than that, and then or right at, and then uh, and then my price point was so low, people were thinking, oh, for 25 bucks, I can do kickboxing. And then when I come back and say, no, actually, it's $99 a month, they're like, why would I pay four times as much as I just paid? And so it was a real hurdle to try and get over that. So uh, uh, I think whenever I started, instead of thinking and realizing the value of what I was bringing to the table, I, I valued it less in my mind. And so they valued it even less than that because, you yeah. know, they're not going to value it as much as I do. So that's what I would think, you know, it, again, with the end of mind, realize that the value is where you see yourself in five years, 10 years, 20 years, mm -hmm. not where you are just now. Yeah. You're just getting started out, but what you're doing is this. So value it at that. And so begin. Right. that would, I, again, I gave you a $20 answer to it two dollar question so yeah. <laughs> that's good though no that's what i was looking for and a, a really really good point that you make there is um you know losing money on on client acquisition you know it's like yeah. there are so many gyms that are doing that and just because they want to get people in the door right yeah. and it's like it's almost like you're so desperate to get people in the door that you don't care it's like you'll just do whatever to get them in the door but then exactly like you said it's like creating this this situation where you the people are coming in and they're expecting one thing and then it's like you flip it and it's like well actually now it's it's going to be like you said 99 dollars a month and they're set on this 25 dollar rate or whatever it might be and it makes it even more challenging Whereas if you can get into a position where you're collecting more money up front and you are getting a higher level of commitment from the people who are coming in, you're getting them better results. They're having a better experience. 
they're sticking around longer. It's such a better situation overall. And it's kind of hard to get past that in the beginning, especially, you know, just because you do want to get as many people in the door as possible, but that doesn't always translate. Yeah. Well, the more they pay for it, now they value it more. Mm -hmm. They're showing that, that it's more valuable to them also. But if they, right. if they get free class, there's no value in that. He's got right. something free, you know, so. Exactly. That's my, yeah. that's my, opinion. I don't, I don't do anything, any free classes here. So. Yes, me either. I would always say that, you know, I don't do anything for free. It's like, if you're paying, if you're coming in the door, you are paying something. Yeah. Because it's just, you know, in going back to time, you know, your time is worth everything, you know, especially as the business owner. And that's literally the, it's the only resource you can't get back. So it should be the most valuable thing. Um, but people don't always look at it like that. And, you know, they're always kind of, and you mentioned before going out to other businesses and doing business to business things and spending time in the community and stuff, and maybe getting one member, like if you're lucky, you know, and people don't look at investing time, like they look at investing money, but they should, Yeah. you know, because they can't get the time back. You can make more money, but you can't get the time back. So yeah. That was a, a great, a great piece of advice. A great $20 answer. I like it. Oh, thanks. All right. <laughs> All right. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, Fayetteville Fitness Kickboxing uh, on Facebook. Uh, Fayetteville Kickboxing on Instagram. It was just too long. So just Fayetteville Kickboxing on, uh, on Instagram. And uh, those are pretty much the only two platforms that we, that we really stay on. And we just pour everything into, into those. Uh, uh, our market is mostly Facebook crowd because it's uh, pretty much over 30, uh, ladies over 30 is our, is our mm -hmm. primary market. Uh, but um, the older the 20-something the market gets, uh, Instagram is becoming more and more their, their mode. Like uh, my son is 21. He doesn't even have Facebook. He just does Instagram, you know. So it's right. just, uh, Facebook is starting to be more for, for us older folks. But uh, uh, but that those are the two platforms: Fail Fitness Kickboxing on on Facebook, and then Fayetteville Kickboxing on uh, on Instagram. All right, perfect. And then I'm and then my my personal page is Real Punching Preacher on Facebook. So perfect. All right, so Wes from Fayetteville Fitness Kickboxing in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been great having yeah. you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And to all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money, Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now let's head into the next interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches doing the work, changing lives every day. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with Brad Kohutch from Shoreside Fitness. Oh, damn it. <laughs> no, I'm, I, 
get to we're going to do that again. Let's start from the top. <laughs> okay. right. Short shore side strength and conditioning. A little yeah. bit of a tongue twister. Sorry, man. I'm going to get this right. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast, where we talk with real gym owners who are in the trenches doing the work, changing lives. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with Brad Kohutch from Shoreside Strength and Conditioning in Seashell, British Columbia, Canada. Brad, how you doing, man? Good, man. Good. Thanks for having me on here. I'm excited. Yeah, excited to, to have you here. Tell us about Shoreside. What is it that you do there? How are you changing lives in your neck of the woods? So Shoreside's basically a functional fitness gym. We have 90% free weights, very small amount of cardio equipment. We have a couple spin bikes, a couple rowers. Um, everything around that is all free weights, kettlebells, dumbbells, barbells. Um, we mainly focus on just trying to get people healthier, stronger, and uh, do a lot of sports conditioning for uh, teams, a lot of group fitness, spin classes, and one-on-one uh, -on -one training, stuff like that. Cool, cool. So how long have you been doing it? What's the evolution of Shoreside? So Shoreside, we started in 2018. We... Uh, I've been a part of this gym for since I was probably 14 years old. My old my old trainer, coach, he brought me in there and we kind of worked together. I worked out every day there and I kind of really started to grow passion, not only for the gym, but for kind of the people around it. Um, and then it came up that he wanted to sell in 2017, 2018. And that's kind of when I, I jumped on the, the opportunity. Awesome. So you had been there, you've been part of the community, you knew that you loved it, that opportunity showed up. So obviously you had seen the day to day, you know what the training is like, you know what the feel of the place is like. Did you have any idea what the business side of it was going to be like? No, I didn't. I had no idea. When, when we took it over, I thought it was going to be as easy as programming is. And it really wasn't. <laughs> it was pretty, uh, pretty big eye opener. Yeah. You know, coming from a similar background, you know, I was, I was a coach and, you know, I was at a gym and, you know, it's a story that's repeated a thousand times. You see it, you're in it. You're like, Oh, it's a good gym. I like it. I don't know why everybody else wouldn't like it and want to come here. So all I got to do is kick ass and people just knock down the door. Right. And then everything's fine. You take the money and pay the bills and it's good. Mm -hmm. And then, and then reality steps in and you're like, Oh, okay, I need to, I need to figure out a few things here. So we all, we all get a crash course in business. If we haven't had it, if we come from the fitness side into the business side, that's, that's something that happens. So you're, you're not alone there at all. So it's been about three years. Um, what did things look like for the first couple of years for you, you know, kind of taking over and then leading up to the C word? <laughs> because that's going to change the complexion of things. But how did you grow for those first couple of years? And, and how did that business transition work for you? So when I first took it over, it was kind of on a bit of a, I would say a bit of a slump. Um, the gym owner before had a bit of a tough go with it. He kind of just wanted out. So he let it slide downhill a bit. So it took quite a bit to kind of build the gym back up. Um, just in retrospect, like he lost a lot of the, the teams, all the sports teams kind of left there. 
So I had to work pretty hard to try to get all the rep teams back in the swim club and the youth classes back going. That was kind of my main focus when I first took the gym over was how can I get these teams back? Um, and then once I kind of got a grip with that, then I kind of focused more on what age group I wanted to target because the coast is pretty, uh, it's kind of a retired community, I would say. You know, it's very, there's very few from 20 to 40 that kind of are in the gym life. And then after that, it's all retired people playing tennis and pickleball. Um, so it was kind of, it was a big transition to try to build that name back up. Like we rebranded as soon as we took it over, we kind of uh, got rid of the old name, the old stigma and, the, and then uh, just kind of built our own name from there. Okay. So you put in that work, you, you got things back, you know, to the way that they felt when they were going well, when you were, you were a member there, you're part of the community. Um, and then, you know, you, you put that work in and then what did you do during once COVID hit? How did that work out? So I know you're, you're in a small ish town kind of near Vancouver, BC, but not really like part of yeah. that, that Metro. Right. So you're a little isolated. So how, how did it look in your area? So, yeah, it was pretty, um, cause we're about a 45 minute ferry ride from Vancouver. So we don't get, we don't get anybody unless they're up for the weekend kind of thing. But for us, it was pretty, we got hit pretty hard. Like I was in the gym from 5.30 AM to 8.30 at night, every day kind of thing. Like I was running every class. I think we had 50 classes a week on top of the spin classes, which I, my wife and I just did by ourselves for the first couple of years. And then, um, the sports teams, like I said, I ran all the clubs. So I did like probably 40 to 50 classes a week on top of one-on-ones. And then as soon as COVID hit, I kind of just got shut down. And the only way that I really seen the gym still working was if my wife came in to run the gym full time. And then I went and worked outside the gym to kind of help support it and obviously support us mm -hmm. so I worked so now I'm still currently actually working at that job um, for a development company so I'm not in the gym nearly as much now my wife is actually doing most of the heavy lifting and I'm kind of outside just helping support it keeping the dream alive <laughs> and so since then have you pivoted the business model because you, you were a lot of group classes before and then restrictions come into play and then different things, people's attitudes change as far as what they want to do, what they're aware of. Is there a different mix now of group versus the one-on-ones or small group versus large group? Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's, um, it's really kind of taken a turn towards more of, open gym and drop-ins versus group classes like I think we have besides the spin classes which we run four times a week we maybe have three probably about six classes that run a lot of group classes and the rest is all one-on-one -on -one and uh, open gym drop-in gym style 
So you have there has been a, a significant shift in in the way people are consuming your product there. Yeah, big time. Do you I, find it's just been uh, the restrictions on the coast have been? Sorry. No, no, you broke up, so I thought you stopped. So, just the internet. <laughs> um, I was just saying that the the restrictions on the coast were pretty heavy for a while, and because we're in such a small space, um, it's just the person to square foot ratio was so small that we just couldn't fiscally, you know, run run a group class. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah, totally. So, have you found that the clients? are giving you feedback now that they're in smaller groups or more one-on-ones and getting a little bit more personalized attention, a little more customized. Has there been a, a change in attitude as far as how they feel they're getting the service delivered to you or from you? Um, you know what? I wouldn't say that as much. I'd more say that they miss, they miss the group class aspect. They love you know, like my average class, my 6 a.m. class, there was average of 15 to 20 people in there. And they were all, you know, like the go-getters. And they really missed that kind of group aspect of pushing each other and having that, you know, a little bit of animosity in the gym, you know, just, I, I'd say more people miss that than wanting the one-on-one attention. Yeah, that seems to be just a... Uh you know, one of those things that sometimes is, is cultural or regional or just gym specific, how that pivot has affected some people. And, and when you say limited gym space, when we talked off the air, you said you're, you're dealing with about a thousand square feet. So it's yeah. it can get pretty cramped pretty quickly, I would think. So if you have a group in there and it's good and you know, everything is laid out well, I can see where the energy would be high. But once we're talking restrictions and and, you know, Canada being hit pretty heavily and, you you know, specifically where you are, coastal BC, um, it sort of handcuffs you a little bit in the meantime. So you, you have to figure out ways to maneuver around it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think at one point in time, the most we could have in there was eight people, including our trainer. Right. So you go from 20 people, a, a group class to seven people, it really changes Changes the, uh, what I want to say here. Kind of the dynamic of the way the group, the energy. Yeah, the energy. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. It just changes the energy inside the gym quite a bit. And then people, a lot of people are kind of just scared to go and work out with other people. So that was a big thing as well. Uh, more and more people just kind of wanted to work out on their own time and not be around other people just because of COVID and um, yeah, it's starting to turn around a bit now though, I would say. Are you having eased restrictions where you are and that's improving? Yeah. Like, um, July, mid July, we were able to run a spin class again. And that was, you know, that's huge for us because that allows us to have 14 people on bikes plus the spin instructor. And um, it's one of the hottest classes we offer, hands down, because we're the only one on the coast. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, that was big to bring that back. Yeah, ha having a monopoly is always nice. Yeah, exactly. So now that you've realized that, you know, things can change, your space can be a limiting factor, uh, 
you're getting a little bit of a resurgence in membership. Uh, has that changed what you want to do as far as growth, looking at new spaces, bigger spaces, expanding to try to take advantage of your niche in the market there on the coast? Yeah, I think I like when I want to expand, I'm kind of looking to have almost the box style gym that we have right now, um, a spin studio inside the gym that's walled out, that's separated from the rest of the gym so people feel comfortable when they go and spin, people aren't looking at them. And then have almost like a uh, another section or portion of the gym that's all cable machines. So like you walk in, it's kind of like a, you know, a gold's gym or something like that they all have the the weighted machines plus the box gym with all free weights and then plus the spin studio within it gotcha that's so, kind of my goal yeah so what is it going to take for you is it a matter of just finding the right spot is it a matter of feeling comfortable with your membership numbers what is going to be the impetus to get you into that new space to fill that vision that you have of where you want to be? It's, it's basically just finding, finding that big of a space. Um, on the coast, commercial space is so limited, plus industrial space. Like, it's just everybody who has it, owns it, or is already renting it. So it's kind of one of those things that we just have to wait until more gets built to kind of lock that in. That's, uh, that's going to be a tough waiting game, knowing that you have the vision in your head. Uh, you feel comfortable with the way that, that things are going as far as having some unique offerings and things like right about there and just being limited by something that's a little bit out of your control as far as the real estate market goes. So what are your plans as far as in the meantime, until you can get to that next space, maximizing you know your occupancy your utilization revenue so that you can possibly be more comfortable when you go into that space um my game plan is probably to try and get back um the youth classes and the sports teams because they're like i say like they're 30 kids uh, kind of a session kind of thing so that helps quite a bit with the revenue and then in the meantime, probably start purchasing the, uh, the cable equipment mm -hmm. and just storing it somewhere just to kind of have it on site. So when that space finally comes, I have almost everything I need to kind of just go into it and uh, just slowly purchase everything I need and keep that revenue stream going inside the little gym we got now. <laughs> so do you have a, uh, a storage unit or space at home or somewhere that you're able to store and, and put this stuff as you accrue it? Or are you against that with space also? No, no, we have quite a bit of space. Uh, we have quite a bit of friends and family that have large garages, property and stuff that they're just not using C-cans or we could store that. Like I myself have a couple C-cans on my property that I could store quite a bit of equipment in. Um, so that's kind of the game plan is just slowly start uh, reoccurring or occurring some uh, gym equipment and then just try to keep our, our small gym as busy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say that you can take in more in the meantime, 
more of the the sports teams and that that specific athlete stuff is that because they tend to fill time slots that you can't get general population in or do you want to add more of those general population fitness clients too if you can if you can figure out a way to shoehorn them into where you want them to be in your schedule uh no the this way the sports teams work on the coast is it kind of picks up in September, the leagues start back up. So, like, the swim club picks up in September. All the hockey teams, they start the rep tryouts in August, and then they have their teams by September. Um, so, those kind of go from September to April, May kind of area. So, when those teams get put back together is when we start to bring them back into the gym because then they have their schedule set so we can set our schedule for them. Okay, so that's more of a seasonal thing. So for your regular, yeah. just general fitness, whether it's small group, one-on-one, -on -one, could you take on more if they were still coming to you? I know that you have a, a pretty robust staff for the size of the gym. Is that something that you're still looking to grow now in your space, or are you more or less handcuffed there? We're pretty handcuffed at the moment. Like, my wife's pregnant right now, so... And we're expecting in her due dates in five weeks or something. So that's going to be a big change for us. Um, so I'm probably going to have to be back in the gym quite a bit more. But juggling that between the gym and my job right now, it's going to be really tough to kind of try to bring more classes back. Mm -hmm. Because all of our trainers that we have now, they also have jobs that they work the gym around. So most of our trainers, besides my wife, are there from 6 a.m. to kind of 8 a.m. And then they go work and then come back to the gym from like 4.30 to 7 training. And that's kind of what I do too. I'm in there at 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. And then I usually teach a 6 a.m. class two days a week and then go to work and then come back to the gym if need be. Gotcha. So as she, congratulations, by the way. Yeah, um, thank you. Beautiful thing. Your first one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're excited. Awesome. Super exciting. So how is your full-time job going to play out if you need to step back in? Are you going to be able to juggle that or change your hours? There's their flexibility, or are you actually going to have to cut back on the overall service that you can you can put out there um it's kind of one of those things i'm gonna have to talk to the my bosses about like i've been pretty involved in this company since i started with them they've kind of gave me a really big role in it so it's kind of going to be one of those things that i might be able to cut back a couple days a week there to pick up some more at the gym kind of thing i I haven't really talked to them about it yet. So it's going to be one of those <laughs> difficult conversations. Yeah. To yeah. I mean, it's great. And if you have, you know, a certain degree of loyalty that they were there to kind of pick you up when, when things, things were going a little sideways with the gym and COVID, then it's hard in the position where you are to just be like, see you guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if the income is tough to replace and, and things like that. Um, yeah, that, that could be a, a, an interesting conversation, but 
clearly, uh, at least you have a path and you're trying to get, get towards it. So when we talk about paths and what we're working towards, you know, one of the things we always like to talk about with our owners are, you know, if you could control the future, if you can at least get your optimal outcome over the next year or two, um, let's say COVID goes by the wayside for the most part, restrictions are eased. So you do find a new building. What's your ultimate goal with the place? Is it for both you and your wife to be full-time in the gym and, you know, have 500 members or what's the ultimate vision? So our ultimate vision would be that my wife could be in the gym full-time and then I could be in there part-time kind of as much as I want to be running the classes that I need to run with the sports teams and that. And then having, like you say, probably anywhere from 200 to 400 members in the door, you know, at least 100 people in and out through the day, at least minimum kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably, yeah, I'd say just to have her full time in there and then have more trainers come through and kind of learn how to coach and um, just be more of a service to the community in a sense. Yeah. And then your role would be running, running some classes, but also managing the, the business overall with your wife. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that way, like there's quite a few ladies, like her girlfriends that want to come into the gym and kind of start running like spin classes, for example. So we always offer that if you want to come and work in our spin class, we will pay for your, um, certification to get it you just have to kind of work with us for the first year kind of thing and then do whatever you want with it so we like to try to help out yeah so that's good right you gotta you gotta have something to to aim for you gotta have the the thing that makes you jump out of bed in the morning thinking like i'm gonna kick today's ass and then take it take it one at a time so do you think you have an overall time frame for where you see that happening um, well, I've, I've talked, I've been in conversation with quite a few builders here on the coast and it sounds like by next April, kind of July, they're going to have their buildings built and set up. So I've kind of talked to them and saying like, you know, like this is the space I want. If you can accommodate this, I will be your tenant or we can work something else out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my main goal here on the coast would to be purchased. A building myself to pull the gym into um that's probably more like a five-year five-year down the line hope investment but for now we'll probably just try to secure a, a bigger location okay so you have you have things rolling you have you have time frames in mind you can see everything coming together it's just a matter of how long it takes and whatever curves you have to navigate to get there so so that's great yeah we're coming up on time, but one of the questions okay. I do like to ask everybody who comes on, if I can, is after being in this for a few years, clearly nobody could have predicted COVID. So that one's a given, but if you could give yourself a piece of advice or look back at something you've learned since you started, what would you say the biggest lesson has been in your uh, three-ish years of, of running the gym? I honestly think that I worked, like I worked 
too hard to try and push the gym. Like, and one of the, and what I mean by that is like, I was, like I say, I was running 40, 50 classes a week just to try to accommodate everybody and try to make everybody happy, but you can't accommodate you can't so having like set time slots for classes and don't vary from try to stay on track and not um not push myself every day to try to make everyone happy because you can't and you really can't make everybody happy but you could do your best i guess <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely if you if you try to be everything to everyone you you can't be the best for anyone so think that's, that's yeah pretty sound advice and and we all fall into that trap because we, we we get into owning a gym or before that even most of us coaching or or doing some type of instruction because we want to help people and by that we want to help the most amount of people so we tend to be super accommodating and we think well if yeah. i have more classes i'm doing a better service exactly but that turns out to be you know takes away your energy you can't give as much that many times a day and also it takes away your time to work on the business if you're always in the business that's you know what that's exactly it. you start to almost wear yourself down and not i don't want to say resent it because you never resent it but you kind of don't want to put in the effort every day if you're in there every day non-stop and you're never you just feel like you're not gaining any traction because you're spreading yourself so thin so like, like i say like sometimes less is more and most of the time in the gym, it definitely is less is more when you're, uh, when you're trying to put on 20 classes a day, <laughs> never, you never can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can always think that you can add more, but it, the diminishing returns are just insurmountable. And, and you said it, and it's, it's something that I think a lot of gym owners feel bad saying, but you can get to a point where you can resent the gym, the classes, even to some degrees, the members, and it's of no fault of their own or your own. It's just you, you get overwhelmed. And if you don't have, if you don't have a, a solid plan and a balance of working on the business and seeing things that'll make it grow and help you serve people better, then it's just, it's just you're constantly on this hamster wheel. And when you can't yeah. see where you get off, you just want to, you just want to lay down and let it spin you around a few times. That's yeah. That's a that's a great way of putting it because like you just push and push and push and you try to pull everybody in and you keep pushing and keep pushing but then and you end up just creating you know you just keep pushing it farther away from you instead of letting it come to you which now you know like after a couple of years like I think it's the best thing I ever did because you learn so much from just hands on business that you kind of learn so much you just understand it way more to kind of let it grow like you can't force something to grow you kind of just have to let it mature and let it grow and you kind of just have to help it along <laughs> but you can't you can't force it yeah yeah absolutely business is not going to be it's like a garden right you have to water it exactly you have to feed it, but you can't just stand there and yell at it and put heat lamps over it all day and in in russia and think that you can skip the steps that you need to do right it's got to be it's going to be nurtured. There's going to be a plan. There's going to be all that. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. I wish we could talk for another hour. Uh, <laughs> we're, up, we're up on time. Uh, okay. So before, before we let you go, 
Um, if anybody is going out to the, uh, the beautiful coast of British Columbia, or they just want to check you out online, where can they find you? What are your social media handles? What's your website? How do we find more about Shoreside? So our website is uh, www.shoresidestrength.com. Um, mm -hmm. Our Instagram label is Shoreside Strength and Conditioning. And then if anybody wants to, they can just go to our website, they go book now, and it takes them to our Glowfox app, which then they sign all the waivers and they can book their time slots and everything's done online now, which through COVID was actually a huge blessing in disguise, kind of taking everything to online made a huge, huge difference for us, just the, the headache wise. Yeah, yeah. But, so a silver lining in every yeah, in every cloud. So. Oh, Brad, totally. thank you for, for being here. It's been a pleasure to all of our listeners. Thank you for being here for another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button in order to be notified for the next episode. Leave us a review, throw us a like. If you want to be on the podcast, there is a link in the description. Fill out the form. Someone from the team will get back to you as soon as possible. Until next time, to everybody out there in Gym Lords Nation, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. And joining us on the show, Mr. Adrian Alvarez of A-Team Strength, coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. Adrian, what's going on, man? How are you today? Hey, Joe. I'm good. How are you? I am very, very well. I'm excited to dig into this. I'm excited to pick your brain. Adrian and I got a chance to riff a little bit before starting the interview here, and he told me all about a little bit about a couple of the stops that he's made in the fitness industry to this point. And so I'm sure you've learned a thing or two along the way in your time in the industry. But before we talk business and strategy and tactics of everything that you do with a team. Now it helps for people listening to hear uh, a somewhat abbreviated version of that tale. And so Adrian, when it comes to a team strength, walk us through why you got this whole thing started when it happened and how you did it. For sure. So um, kind of like I mentioned earlier, the, the starting point for me was uh, back in like 2009, 2010, uh, when I first kind of st stuck my foot in the door of fitness, so to speak, um, working at and training at a martial arts facility in, in Manhattan. From there, I was doing the simple things, sitting at the front desk, cleaning the place up, 
Eventually that led to leading classes, um, teaching one-on-ones to people there. And that's kind of where I began to discover a little more about like what I liked about sort of exercise science and strength conditioning, start to factor that into my own training as well as working with others. Uh, eventually worked at a sports performance facility for a few years where I really got to see a lot more of the ins and outs of that side of things while not um, working in, in the training myself, working more behind the scenes. But eventually the time came when I was like, all right, I want to go into it for myself and do the, the training part of it. Uh, worked at a commercial gym for a few years after that. And then in March of 2019, felt confident and comfortable enough to launch my own business, A-Team Strength which has been personal training and running through different facilities, renting space out from different gym owners. Uh, and then I was lucky enough to be in a good position earlier this year in February to open up my own space right here in Brooklyn where I already had a big client base. Um, and that has been pretty much the, the sh- shortened version of the story up until now. Yeah. And so like we mentioned, a number of different experiences within the industry. And I'm sure that that plays into how you run the business that you run now, right? There's plenty of opportunity to see what you like, what you don't like, and how you want to fulfill on that with your current business. And, and so for, for the context of it, when you describe A-Team Strength and, and what you do, how do you how do you tell that to other people? What is this business really about? Sure, I mean I think it's right there in the name, right? Strength is what we focus on. It's primarily what I'm interested in for my own training, and it's what I think a lot of people are missing in general in their fitness routine. Uh, like we live in New York City, and people are generally doing a lot of running or, or walking as their exercise, and they haven't been exposed to like real strength training yet. And once we get somebody kind of seeing how strong they really are and factor it into their training, it kind of ignites something in them. And that's been my like privilege to see, right? When I have a new client start off and they can't even do one push up, or they couldn't imagine lifting a hundred pounds. And within a few weeks, they're doing things like that. Like that's where I get more on the training side of things and where my passion lies, that's where that is. And, you know, I've worked with a number of people over the years and it's been just really rewarding in that sense um, to, to be able to see that where I think a lot of the times uh, you know, what we see sometimes in the industry in personal training specifically is people tend to, I think other trainers without, I'm not trying to like bad enough anybody necessarily. Right. But just what I saw as like lacking in my experience, um, was people giving their clients what was kind of popular at the time, right. Things always kind of come and go in fads in this industry. And for me, it was like sticking to the basics, just getting people stronger has shown to me to be a significant way to improve their quality of life. And their sense of kind of belonging in the gym environment. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned personal training along the way there. As I understand it, the majority of what you're doing is in the one-on-one format. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about why you decided to go that route. Obviously, within fitness, there are any number of ways that we can provide value and serve people. What spoke to you about the one-on-one model? Well, I mean, it was kind of where I came from before starting the company, right? I was working at, um, at a crunch at a commercial gym, and that, that was my job, right? We only really offered personal one-on-one training. There were occasionally small group, you know, uh, possibilities and semi-private and things like that. But for the most part, the job there was working with people on an individual basis. Um, so it's kind of what I've, I've known for the past few years and what I've found to be, you know, if we're talking more from a, from a business perspective, 
uh, more profitable at, at the moment. You know, one of the things um, that I do want to expand to is more into that small group environment. Uh, because for me, uh, the one thing that I always felt like was lacking when I was working at, at a commercial gym and even now on my own um, is being able to build a community among the clients. And that's where I feel is the biggest sort of lack there with the one-on-one -on -one training is that the clients aren't always interacting with each other. They're not sharing the gym floor. They're coming in for their hour. They get the gym to themselves and they're out the door. They're, you know, see you next week. Um, so one thing I do want to do as far as future plans go is be able to make more of a community out of what I have now, which is, is very much individual based. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting because for so long, the fitness industry has, has really lived and died by the one-on-one -on -one training model. And there is absolutely still value in doing it. But to your point, the semi-private option a lot of the time sits as a win-win for both business and member. Whereas if I'm supposed to be one-on-one -on -one with a person, there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of dead air. If I have four, five, six people in a group, I can still provide that same level of coaching, but all of a sudden there's a little bit of camaraderie. There's a community aspect as you describe it. Yeah. Potentially a little bit of competition. Yeah. People get... Uh, uh, just as good of a result and probably a bit better or, or more digestible of a price point. But because that price point is spread out over those people, even the business is probably doing a little bit better profitability wise. Um, and so I think that's an interesting route to explore uh, as it stands now. It's, I want to, I want to pick your brain on this because marketing wise to get this type of client, whether it's a PT client or a semi-private client, marketing to that sort of person is vastly different than it is to a traditional boot camp or, or group class sort of avatar. How have you found success in getting people into training with you in the past? Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty lucky. I would say that when I did branch out on my own, I had already a pretty solid group under me of, of trainees who were willing to follow me pretty much anywhere, right? Which is one thing that, that's like the ultimate stamp of approval in my eyes, like someone who's ready to go no matter what's going on. And then obviously referrals are big there too. But as far as like actively marketing out, I honestly haven't had to do a ton. I have had like a pretty baseline, I would say kind of level of online presence, like a pretty good website in, in my eyes. Uh, decently active social media presence on Instagram primarily. Uh, but the biggest thing that I've seen as far as when a new lead comes in and I get in touch with them is that they have found me on Google. They've searched for strength training in this area. I came up and what do they see? They see a bunch of five-star reviews from my current and previous clients, right? So it's not a referral in the traditional sense, but it's almost like reading those experiences of folks maybe coming in with, with knee pain and not being able to run. And now suddenly I can go running again. Or, you know, I wasn't strong enough to pick up my five-year-old and now I can do that. Or just like, I wanted to like kick some butt and like deadlift 300 pounds and now I can do that, right? Like simple things like that. And people see that, relate to those experiences, I think. And that's what ultimately gets them to be, feel like a little more of a qualified lead before even getting them in the door. Um, I do know that, and we're kind of talking about like future plans and things like that. I think. Pretty soon, I'm going to have to start doing a little more active marketing and, and probably spend a little money to make a little money, basically, 
But sure. up until now, I've had you know pretty decent success, just sort of organically appealing to the people that that find me. Thankfully. Yeah, and I think I mean it's it's important to touch on a couple of different things that you said there. One, is it the the quote unquote traditional word of mouth referral? No, but if I'm to put myself in the mind of the average fitness seeker, I'm probably going to go to one of a handful of places and it's Google, it's Facebook, it's Instagram. And for somebody in our industry, if you're not easily findable on those things, they're going to go somewhere else. That's just the reality. I mean, when I, I, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. When I started off and before I even kind of launched, so to speak, I I had a website already kind of mapped out. And um, I mentioned earlier, like, one of my jobs before becoming a trainer, I wasn't training people, but I was basically doing some marketing and sales for the gym I worked at. So just having certain, um, uh, my website built a certain way where it would come up on Google a little more easily than, than other folks. I think that helped a lot because that's where people look, you know, unless you are getting that, that word of mouth, unless that your best friend is telling you, you gotta check this guy out, you're probably gonna do a quick Google search see what's in your area and like the, whatever's popping up on that on the first three results, you're going to go on, go on one of them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to find somebody there. Yeah. Right? So, so just having the website like built out and you know, it's, it's still kind of, you know, surprising me to this day, not just in fitness, but in businesses in general, when I look up some kind of service or, or product and seeing a website that isn't like up to snuff for me is a bit of like a turnoff. It's like, Oh, does this person take what they're doing seriously? Do, you know, they haven't even put the effort into like updating the website since the late nineties. Like, uh, yeah. so uh, again, and there not- are so many resources to do it on your own sure. now. Like yeah. there's not even an excuse anymore. I think it's sad. And then fitness is, is probably one of the worst culprits of that because I mean, typically people get into fitness, owning a gym or owning a training business like this because they're great trainers or coaches and not necessarily because they're great business people but these are almost prerequisites to running a successful business not add on extra things that i'm doing these are the bare minimum and you mentioned as time goes on now that the business and and what you do is a little bit more mature getting into some sort of paid with a budget marketing where do you think that'll have the biggest impact is it social media is it google is it something else that we haven't even talked about yet i mean it seems like social media is the way to go and you know uh, i haven't checked out tiktok yet i don't plan to but uh you know again i'm pretty active on, on instagram and you know um from what i understand as far as as paying for things there is it worth it I, i've heard it is i haven't tried it myself i, I do know that you know, I've never paid for it on Instagram, for example, but, and I don't think I've ever gotten a client or, you know, a referral through Instagram. But what I can say is I've had multiple clients who after signing up with me will tell me, Hey, you know, like before I signed up, I looked at your Instagram page and that was one of the reasons I went with you. Like, I liked what your clients were doing. I liked the, the, the verbiage you were putting on things. So again, almost in that same like indirect way of of marketing it it was a contributing factor for sure yeah yeah and and i think i mean it's important for us to also say that like just 
putting money into Instagram isn't a magical solution, mm. right? There is a skill to this. There is a know-how as well as if we don't have that organic component to it, already putting in content, already having some engagement and some interaction with an audience, the money isn't going to solve it, right? right. We need to have both sides of it to really, really create a good result. But I think the reality for a lot of small businesses in our industry is that it can be nerve wracking, right? Putting any kind of money into something yeah. like this and hoping that it comes back with some sort of ROI is scary, right? The more we know, the more confident we are, the more, the, the more we feel better about putting a dollar sign to it. But if we don't know what we're doing, we might burn a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I understand why people in our industry are hesitant to do it. But it, it's it, as, at a certain point, it becomes somewhat of a necessity to get beyond where we currently are. You know what I mean? Okay. And so, Adrian, I, walk us through, we get a lead in from whatever source, whether it's a walking off the street, a referral, Google, whatever it is. Walk us through your process for everything that happens between that moment and when they sign on as a client. Sure. And, and this actually is, I think, one of the things that was a bit of a game changer for me last year, because last year was, last year was a good year. It's, it's why I'm able to have a, a physical location this year. Uh, and part of the reason for that, I think, was just I changed a little bit the way I, I handled this exact situation. So what I do now is um, generally what will happen is I'll get a lead uh, from my website into my email inbox and I'll check it out and it will have the information on there. And the first thing I do, if they haven't done this already, send them an email basically thanking them for their interest and having them fill out immediately uh, a questionnaire. And this questionnaire basically tackles some of the basic stuff. What are some of your goals? Do you have any past injuries? Um, how well would you rank your nutrition? Have you worked with a trainer before? Just a ton of like basic questions. Um, and in a way that serves me for two functions. First of all, I get the answers to these questions off the bat, as opposed to having to draw this information out of the individual during the consultation. And secondly, it kind of acts as a little bit of a gate for those who aren't serious about it. Because that's yeah. one thing that I think we don't talk about enough is how many unqualified leads, unfortunately, because it's such a, a common thing in fitness to give free samples, give free sessions, give a free week, a free month. And we end up giving away a lot, which, which can always pay off if people are signing up. But again, this kind of draws back to my previous experience where we would get so many leads and only a fraction of the actual qualified people who might actually sign up. And I didn't want to end up wasting my time or theirs. So by just putting that one kind of layer between um, your initial kind of outreach to me and actually getting you on the phone or in person, it did weed out, I think, a lot of uh, unqualified leads but also again, on the, on the flip side, gave me a lot of information to work with because the next step after that is to book this individual for a phone consultation. I started doing phone consultations, um, I mean, for a couple of reasons. The biggest one was obviously COVID, right? was a huge thing. So in-person communication was a little bit, you know, iffy, still is to a certain degree, but definitely not as much as it was. Um, so I do a phone consultation for about a half an hour. And this is where we kind of break down a little bit of what they were talking about in their questionnaire. Um, dive a little bit deeper into those subjects and get a little better feel for the, for the person on the other line and what they need and answer any of their questions as well. 
Then after that, um, it was a matter of just basically booking an initial session for them to come in and try out an actual workout and go over some pricing information, some scheduling options, things like that. Um, and then after that, they book the initial session. If they like it, we sign up for a package and take it, take it off from there pretty much. And that process, which kind of, again, I think kind of like saved me a lot of time and effort of having to sort of chase unqualified leads, um, also made it a little more streamlined for them to understand what they're getting themselves into. So you don't, because sometimes you have somebody come in for their initial session without any previous contact, just leave me here at this time. And they're a little overwhelmed. They didn't really know what to expect. They weren't explained that they were going to be lifting weights today or they were going to go through an assessment or they didn't know what the prices were. And now at the end of this first session, we're going over the price and their eyes widen up and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, and you've already put in all of this time and energy into this yeah. person who was never okay. going to sign up anyway. That's, that's the biggest thing. I found that by kind of having these multiple steps to, to talk to an individual and, and slowly explain what they're getting themselves into, um, it, it makes my job a lot easier and it helps them feel a little more comfortable with what they're purchasing um, and helps with just buy in general. Because once you have that client in for that first package of the first number of sessions, uh, they feel just a little more at home with you, I feel, and, and yep. the whole process becomes more comfortable. I think in a situation where it's a, a solo owner operator situation like yourself, it has to be that way. We can't spend half our day or more yep. going through assessments and trying to sign up new clients who are never going to sign up. We have to have a couple of filters in place. Sure. If we have other staff and people with a less full roster, yeah, we can be a little bit more liberal with yeah. the assessments that we're bringing in, but your time is valuable, right? We can't just be doing all of these things on a hope and a prayer, right? And personal training by nature is a little bit more higher ticket of an item. Yeah. Not everybody can afford it and that's fine, but we need to filter out the, the people that don't belong. I think that's a really important point for us to make here is we can't help everyone. Not everyone belongs within our business and that's totally fine. Yeah. Right? How do we get more of the people that do belong and how do we steer the people away who don't belong? That's and even it. those that's who like point. maybe uh, don't belong in the, in the one-on-one, which is, that's, that's kind of part of the reason that I, I am hoping to expand into more of the smaller groups because then now we can serve suddenly a whole population that maybe didn't have the access because they didn't have the resources or even the scheduling was an yep. issue. And now it's like suddenly my services become available to a whole new slew of people who, yeah, yeah you know, everyone's got a different economic yeah. situation, but. Yeah, and that's, that's a great point. And at that point, we can, we can revisit our processes and tinker and adjust from there. Well, right now it doesn't make sense for you to be doing five assessments a day when at most you're probably going to be doing eight or 10 total sessions a day. Do you know what I yeah. mean? We want to have those, those people paying, not just doing free stuff all day long. And so, I mean, Adrian, we've, we've explored this as it stands now for a couple of different perspectives. You've alluded to looking into the future and adding into the, the semi-private ish mm -hmm. market. But talk to us about sort of big picture. What is, yeah. what is your long-term vision for this? For sure. So like I said, I'm brand new to the space I have now. We've just, you know, my first sessions here were on March 1st. Uh, and we've got a two-year lease here. So 
not too long in terms of how a lot of commercial leases go, but the plan is to, within that the two years time, expand to the point where we outgrow the space. Uh, and that would mean yeah, adding in a lot more programs, that sort of thing. The ultimate long-term goal for me is um, you know, to, to have a space large enough where basically I can have obviously multiple people in at once and have it more of a, a gym setting rather than a personal training studio setting. Or right now I can see two, maybe two people at once tops. Um, it doesn't make sense uh, just logistically with the space I have now for, for any more than that. So that's kind of what we're aiming for. I'm aiming for within that two year mark by the time this lease is up, for things to be in such a position, uh, both in terms of the demand um, within my own client base and with the kind of potential demand of having individuals come in and train on their own, right? Where they don't have to be supervised anymore and we can go beyond just the personal training or even small group model and have more of the open gym feel where people can come in and work out on their own. Those who choose to seek personal training can still. Uh, and a semi-private model where we have multiple folks working with their own programs at once with a coach supervising, I think is proven. I mean, uh, a lot of gyms have that model at this point. It's kind of a, a common thing within private facilities. And that's what we we'd look to get to at that point. Yeah, and I think that's, that's really important, right? When I talk to business owners like yourself, if we don't have a, a trajectory or at least a goal in mind, it's so easy to get complacent and get so busy within our normal day-to-day -day that we don't really have any further growth. And you see gym owners who 10 years go, goes by, they work 100 hours a week, but they haven't taken a vacation in a decade or they haven't been able to grow their business beyond where they have been for yeah. that entire time. If we don't have that end goal or bigger picture in mind, it, it's really easy to fall into that trap. You know what I mean? For sure. And so, Adrian, I think that's a, a fantastic place for us to start to wrap this whole thing up. But before we get out of here, why don't you tell people listening where they can learn a little bit more about A-Team? What's the website? What's the social media? Where can they find you? Sure. Uh, website, pretty straightforward. A-TeamStrength.com. A-Team, like the TV show. <laughs> Uh, the Instagram is a underscore team underscore strength. Same on Twitter, I believe. And those are pretty much the only two platforms I'm on currently. But people can check it out there. Uh, see some of the content I put out. And if you're in Brooklyn looking for a trainer, 18strength.com, pull that questionnaire out. There you go. And in Brooklyn, hit up Mr. Adrian for all of your training needs. Man, this has been a bunch of fun. I really appreciate your insight when it comes to what you're thinking about running a business within the fitness industry. I really appreciate your time and, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for you, man. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And so to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. 
Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.